Let's get right to work. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you. You are an awesome God. We're so grateful that you are who you are and that you've done all that you've done. Uh, Lord, as we've seen from Genesis, we're made from mud, but you make us your children and only you. Lord, help us to worship you this morning. Uh, The Lord Jesus said that you're seeking people to worship you in spirit and in truth, and, and we sing songs but we wanna do it in the Holy Spirit. We wanna do it in your word. And so God, equip us this morning as we study your word to know what you're saying to us as your children. Lord, there are some who are living life apart from you this morning. And Lord, we pray that, that today would be a day of reconciliation, that today would be a day where they come to you and you make them your son, your daughter. Lord, I thank you for the offering. I thank you for the opportunity for us to give to the work that you've called us to. Um, Lord, we don't look at it from afar. Lord, you've called all of us to be able ministers and to, to be stewards of your work, your kingdom. And so, Lord, bless us as we, as we prioritize you in our giving. Lord, bless the, the, the offering that, that Lord, the, the different ministry heads would have wisdom in how those dollars are spent, and uh, Lord, let it maximize the impact of the gospel around the world. We trust you for all of this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're, we're still not quite worked through. What we're thinking is uh, maybe we would have like the offering basket would come around and then with it would be like a little dangly Purell bottle or something. We're, we're, we're working through what that's gonna look like, but you can give, there are boxes in the back as you exit and then on the west side of the building and then you can use my MBT at our website, mbtkc.org. All right, Genesis chapter two, uh, we finished up. Let's see, we, we actually looked at verses really seven through 17. Uh, last week, 7 through 17, and what we saw in in Genesis chapter 2, we're seeing God as a father providing for Adam as his son. So we're seeing God's provision for his son. And remember, he he has this provision, not just because he's his son, but but he has to be sustained for a work. Uh, Adam has a mission to fulfill, and, and, and that's what we saw last week. We saw that God, if, if Adam's gonna have a family, if he's gonna raise up children, if he's gonna be used of God to propagate sons of God to replenish the earth, uh, he needs to eat. He needs a job, but he needs fuel for the work, and so we saw that in verses eight through 17 last week. Uh, if a man's gonna get married, If he's gonna have a wife, if he's gonna have a family, he needs a job, he needs to be able to provide for that family and so God, as a father, provides for his son so that Adam can do the same. Okay, that brings us to point number two. And here we go, we're gonna pick it up in verse 18. God God gives Adam a help meet, right? He needs a help meet for the mission. Verse 18 says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. Okay, now remember what we're, what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter two is really commentary. Uh, it's just more detail, it's more explanation on everything that we saw in Genesis chapter one, particularly day six. Uh, this, is the, the, this is drilling down on the creation of Adam and Eve. You know, in Genesis chapter one, God said let us make man after our likeness and our image, male and female created he them. So there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big picture view on day six in Genesis chapter one, but now we're drilling down into the details. And so let's, uh, let's pick it up here again in verse 18. It's not good, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. So remember, we're dealing with the commission and God in his wisdom recognizes that Adam needs help. No man can ever maximize his life potential without a good wife, amen. Amen. 
Oh, boy. Okay, I do this every once in a while, and I give you guys, men, brethren, I, I'm setting you, I'm, I'm, I'm your buddy, okay? I'm your wingman, and I'm setting you up. I'm trying, to help, I'm trying to help a brother out and hook a brother up. So if you are sitting next to your wife, okay, and I make, I make some comment like that, like no man's ever gonna maximize his potential without that woman, that wife in his life, or some, some, something like that, okay? On the surface, it sounds silly, but that's an opportunity for you, bro, to just lean over and whisper in your wife's ear, amen. <laughs> right? And she will think about that for the rest of the day. I got you, bro. Okay, so don't waste those opportunities. Don't waste them. So there is a commission that Adam has to fulfill and he can't do it by himself. First baby to come out of Adam's reproductive organs. That's the end of the mission. He's done. It's over. It's like I quit. I'm I'm out. (laughs) It would kill him. He needs help. Remember the commission, God blessed them, Genesis 1:28, and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. You know, it used to be that the husband had to set out in the waiting room when that baby came, you know, and he'd fret, he'd pace, and he'd worry. Not anymore. For the last few decades, they've had the husband right there in that room and you're watching this baby be born, and you're like, I don't know if this is the most awesome thing in the world or the scariest thing in the world, but, but uh, I know I couldn't do that. That childbirth would kill me. Okay, so God says to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. How is he going to do it? Dude doesn't even have a womb. He needs a help me. <laughs> he needs a help me. Replenish the earth. So for the replenishment plan to be fulfilled, Adam needs a helper. Helper is your next blank. This help meets, it's not, she's not just for companionship. Again, that's part of it because verse 18 says, it is not good that the man should be alone. It, so it is for companionship, but it's not just companionship. It's also, don't forget, for the mission or for the commission. And this, we've already pointed out in Genesis chapter one, points to the great commission that the bride of the second Adam has Right, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. What does that look like in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20? All power is given unto me. Church, bride of Christ, go in that power, abide in the vine, be, bear much fruit, right? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. How do we do that, bride? By winning souls and making disciples as we abide in the person of Christ and Christ abides in us. The bride still has a commission, and so this shows Eve as a type of the church. In Matthew chapter five and verse 32, we're talking about how husband and wives are supposed to view and to treat one another, and, and, uh, and then Paul just, he, he says, and oh, by the way, what I was talking about the whole time, right, I, I speak concerning Christ and the church. So this, this great commission shows Eve as a type of the bride of Christ, as a, as, as a type of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because getting babies out of Adam is impossible without some great health. So his partner, right, his companion, his bride, his wife, has to be designed. She has to be specifically neat for him. She has to be able to meet him in the mission. Uh, she, she, she completes him. <laughs> he can't do it without him. Uh, he, can't, he can't do it without her. And that's the question on the floor this morning, church. Are you meat for your master's use? Is MBT, is the bride of Christ, are we abiding in the vine? Are we abiding in Christ? Is for us to live Christ? Are we being fruitful? Are we multiplying? Are we replenishing the earth? Are we making disciples? Are we bearing much fruit? So we need, to, we need to be the bride that God has designed. There is a mission. So you say, well, I just want to go to a church where I can have some friends. Well, you should have friends in your church, but that's not the end, ultimate end objective of church life. We are co-laborers together with Christ. We are, we are stewards together in the work that God has called us to. 
MBT does not exist as a social club, right? It does not exist as a country club. We exist as a people on a mission. Our job is to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And if what we're doing as a local church isn't falling out to that effect, then we're wasting our time. We're playing at being the bride. We're playing at being a church. This is why you'll, you'll keep hearing me say over and over again, I don't wanna play church like little kids play house. I wanna know that I'm part of something that's mattering for eternity, don't you? Don't you wanna be a part of something that will have a global but also an eternal impact for the glory of God and for the good of God's people? I wanna win souls, I wanna make disciples, I wanna see ministry multiply. That's why we exist. That's why we're, whenever you breathe on a mirror, you fog it. That's why you have skin. That's why you're still on this planet, is to matter for the mission. You say, well, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. Okay, you cheat. (laughs) I could have called called you a worse name. (laughs) Well, I got other things in my life. Why? Why are you whoring away, right? Why are you whoring after the things of this world? Why are we, why, why seek other lovers? <laughs> For us to live is Christ. Well, Sam, you know, I love you. I'm, I'm so grateful you're my husband, but, but you know, I really like Joe over here, the, the, the neighbor, and, and uh, we're gonna go out on Friday. Uh, now, you mean the world to me, and you're everything to me, Sam, but, but you know, I just wanna spend a little time with Joe. How's that gonna work out at the Miles house? Okay, that will never come out of my wife's mouth, but can you put yourself in that situation? So many people who call themselves by the name of the bridegroom, they call themselves Christian. Bunch of cheats. Are we meat? Are we a help meat? Do we exist to meet Christ in his mission? Do we exist to help? Is everything that we're doing falling out to the winning of souls, the making of disciples? Are we a bride with a work? Are we a bride with a mission? Or do we just have a form of godliness but no reality? I don't wanna waste my life. I'm desperate for you that you'd not waste your life. Every single one of you in this room, if you're a believer, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you will give an account to the bridegroom over how your life fell out. Was it to your goals and objectives or was it to his glory? Are you meet for the master's use? Now there's another great principle here. Adam, what were the odds? Let's say he just, he, he, he's gonna find his, his, his wife his way on his own terms and God's got nothing to do with it. What are the odds of him finding a bride? Absolute zero, right? <laughs> he's the only human on the planet. He obviously need God's, he needs God's help to find a bride, doesn't he? And so that's an incredible principle. Brothers, brothers, are you listening? You need God's help to find your mate. Adam couldn't get a wife without God. Why do you think you're better than Adam? Don't, don't be dumb, okay? If Adam needed God's help to find a bride, you, you need it too. Do the best that you can, and what are you gonna get? the best that you could do, which for some of you, you know that's a, that's a hot disaster, that's a hot mess real quick. I don't want the best that I can produce for, my, for myself in life. I want what God wants for me. I want God's plan for my life, amen? This is critical. You want God's help in finding your mate. Psalms 121 verse two says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Man, if God can make creation, if he can make heaven and earth, he can make me a mate. Amen? Some of the singles are just like looking at me like frogs on a log. Man, you, brother, you gotta get full of faith. <laughs> My help cometh from the Lord. Adam, as God's son, you know, God's taking care of him. So, or Proverbs eighteen twenty two says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Amen, brothers? Amen. S- some of the guys clued in. Pastor Mata's over here just nodding. What I'm saying is, is whenever I make one of those comments, Pastor Wood, that's when you lean over to Nailene and like, amen, sister, right? That's, that's what we're talking, okay, let's try again. See, it doesn't even work now because now your wife already knows I'm putting you up to it and it's just, 
You'll grow in wisdom and understanding. It will happen. Adam's got God's favor. He says it's not good that man should be alone, that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And that's the favor of the Lord. So here are the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the cattle and every living creature. All of it comes out of the ground just like Adam and he brings them to him to see what he calls them. And he doesn't call any of them a help meet, right? This is not a test of curiosity, it's a test to see where Adam is at. Adam, remember, he is to have dominion, right? He is to have dominion over the earth and so it, it, God makes it his job to name every creature and so it is. Also notice, right, he, he, he brings them to Adam to see what he would call them. So Adam has language factory installed. Why do we speak? Why do we have communication? Well, we get it from God and the purpose is to communicate with God. Um, you ought to, you ought to let God know what you're calling in this world, what you see happening, what you see in this world. You ought to, you ought to talk to the Lord about it because that's why you have a voice. Notice that God's partnering, right? He's working with Adam because it's a family affair. This commission, is a, it's a family mission. So Adam comes to the conclusion correctly that there's no living creature that's gonna satisfy the need that he has for a help me to enable him to fulfill his responsibility before the Lord. I'm supposed to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I see how the animals are doing it. Not happening. There's not a help meet in the animal kingdom for me. There's, I don't have a counterpart, right? The, 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 my, my pet dog has a counterpart and uh, the pet cat has a counterpart. My, my parakeet has a, has a counterpart, but I don't have one. Uh, society is becoming increasingly confused on this today. So God, in his favor for Adam, knocks him out. Look at Genesis 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So let's talk about the doctrine of the rib. We need to learn the doctrine of the rib this morning. Um, This is a good doctrine. So Adam, first of all, in the doctrine of the rib, we see that he gets his, his bride through a deep sleep in verse 21. He causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And this deep sleep is a picture of death, okay? It's through death that the bride comes. That's really the, 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 what is it? That's really the conclusion of the doctrine of the rib. It's through death that the bride comes, okay? So deep sleep points to death. You say, well, how do you get death out of sleep? Well, because I read my Bible. Sleep for God's people is a picture of death in scripture. Did you get that? Anytime you see sleep in the Bible, there's a picture of death for God's people. In John 11, 11, Jesus says to the disciples, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him, awake him out of his sleep. And they're like, well, if he's sleeping, let him rest. I mean, he's sick. Everybody knows when you're sick, the best medicine is good rest. And, And so Jesus has to tell them plainly, look, I'm trying to teach you a picture so that you'll know your Bible better, but he just plainly tells them Lazarus is dead. First, Corinthians, or First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 14, talking about the resurrection and the rapture of the church, says if we believe that, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep. So Jesus died and rose again, and even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? And so in your New Testament, this word death and sleep, in terms of the believer, it's used interchangeably. Why? Because the dead in Christ shall arise, okay? If you're going to wake up, if you're going to arise, you're not really dead, you're, a, you're asleep, okay? Those who sleep, just as Christ was dead and rose again, those who sleep in Christ, 
Christ will bring with him at the resurrection of the church. A couple years ago, my father-in-law passed. Uh, his, we, as his family, we were all around him at his hospice bed in his living room when he let go of life in this world and absent from the body is present with the Lord, the Bible says. So we said goodbye to Chuck, to Charles Robertson a couple years ago. Uh, we put his body in the ground, but that's not where Chuck is, okay? At the same time, that's, we know where Chuck is. We put his body in the ground. Is this making sense? Remember, we've talked about this a few times over the last several weeks. A Christian has the ability to be in two places at the same time, don't they? Uh, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Right now, physically, we're seated together at 40th and Walnut, but spiritually, we're seated together in heavenly places in the person of Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's a spiritual quantum physics or something. I don't know how it works, but it, it's just, it is what it is. And so, so yeah, Chuck, his body's buried in Eureka, but, but God's gonna bring him back with him at the rapture of the church, and the dead in Christ shall rise. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. And then it goes on to explain that sleep. This mortal shall put on immortality. So so this deep sleep is a picture of the first Adam in death so that a bride may come forth. Jesus Christ as the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 explicitly calls him this, the last Adam. He also dies and gets his bride, the church. That's your next set of blanks. The last Adam, he dies, it's a deep sleep, <laughs> and we as the bride of Christ come out of his side. Adam's wife is made from his rib. She's taken, uh, a bone is taken from Adam's side, and then uh, from that rib, from that genetic material, God fashions the woman. Again, the, the, the picture is Christ. John chapter 19, verse 34 says, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his, pierced Christ's side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. It's by the shed blood of Christ that our sins are washed away and that we're reconciled to God. We were born, we were fashioned as the bride of Christ from Christ's side. Over and over again in the Bible, God will draw our attention to the same spot, and as you drill down, you find out there's no mention of a fifth rib in the piercing of Christ's side, but if I was a betting man, that's, I think, where the, sword, the, the spear went that pierced Christ's side. Uh, God keeps drawing our attention to the fifth rib. Uh, so I, if I had to wager, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but I would be a, if I was a betting man, I would bet that Adam was made or Eve was made from Adam's fifth rib, for whatever that's worth. <clears throat> this is why it's probably not in fashion. I don't even know, you know, the 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 correct speech has gone to such a point where nobody can ever say anything properly ever again. You guys recognize that, right? We live in clown world, but, and that was probably very politically incorrect to even say it that way, but no matter what you say in, in, in today's political climate, it's always wrong. But back in the 80s, we didn't have that problem. And so what guys would do, I'm just gonna tell you this because as ministers, you just need to recognize, okay, um, what some of the old jokes are, but, uh, we would, we would, we would call a a, a wedding, a, a, a marriage. Um, he's getting his rib back, right? When somebody's, and this is why men love ribs so much, <laughs> because it's kind of like sex. <laughs> it's so good, so. For whatever worse, and there's like a lot of derivatives on that joke, but you you get what I'm you get what I'm saying. Um, it, it, well, it just keeps going. I mean, just think about all the things that you do with barbecued ribs, and and then just just translate that to your bride, and and let the I mean, just it gets off it gets out of control real quick. And this is a mixed group, and so we can't go there. But but thank God for ribs. Okay, so. Now, 
husbands, if I were you sitting in the room right now, this would have been one of the times I would have leaned over to my wife and said, you are delicious. <laughs> or, I, I would, never mind, I can't even say. I would be whispering some things to my rib. Okay, so. Notice she's taken out of who? It's Adam, she's taken out of man, not an animal. You can't be a Bible believer and be an evolutionist. She isn't taken from the animal kingdom, she's taken from Adam. H.B. Carroll makes a very good point. He says Eve was as much a descendant of Adam as you are. In other words, the man, when created, was the whole race in potentiality. And every other human being, including Eve, was derived from him. See, woman is not a direct creation, is she? She's made from the man. She's made from Adam. And so Adam calls her woman because she was taken out of man. Again, one of the old jokes is, is that God fashions Eve and, and uh, Adam's back in the recovery unit of the surgery wing of God's hospital and as he's coming to, God's like, hey bro, hey, hey bud, you awake? And, and he is and, and so he says, look what I have for you and he brings Eve and, and the first thing, because everything's brought to Adam to see what he calls them and so when Adam sees her, he's like, whoa, man. And that's how she got her name, woman. No, it's because she's taken out of man. Um, and notice the capital letters on man. So it's signifying humanity as a race, isn't it? She's taken out of man. We're talking about mankind. Uh, we're, talking about the ra- we're not talking about two individuals, we're talking about the human race. Matthew Henry, this was so good, this goes into to, to wedding ceremonies all over the world. He made the comment, the woman is not some sort of lesser or lower class of mankind. She has a different role in life, but the same nature as the man. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be beloved by him. Man, that's it, that's beautiful. She's, taking, she's taken from his side. Notice she has her husband's name. She has her husband's name. Uh, in Genesis five, verse two, the Bible says, again, it's just another review of how mankind came to be. Matthew five, two, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. This is why in, in, in Western civilization, which follows a Judeo-Christian, um, a Judeo-Christian culture, uh, the women take the name of their husband. Uh, he called their name Adam. Uh, Cheryl, my wife, legitimately, her name is Cheryl Robertson, but when we got married, she took my name. And that's because of Genesis 5-2. Now, Adam recognizes his helpmeet. Okay, look at, look at verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He recognizes who she is, the significance of who she is in his life. He knows that she shares his bone and his flesh, but no blood is mentioned, which is interesting. Uh, Again, there you see Adam as a type of Christ. Okay, Christ has no blood flowing that we can see, it's not, it's not, it's not flesh and blood after the resurrection, it's, it's flesh and bone, which I think is very interesting. Did I give you that cross-reference in your notes? Luke 24, verse 39. And you see open wounds that he bore. He's bearing wounds, but they don't bleed, John 20, 27. So that, that's, an, that's so that we don't miss the picture, okay? <clears throat> now, Look at verses 18 and 24, through 24 again, okay? I, I, I want us to see God's pattern for marriage before we finish up this morning. God's pattern for marriage. Um, let's start in verse 18. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So, 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 so God gives his consent to the union. Adam needs a wife, so I'm gonna get him one. So the father, in terms of God's pattern for marriage, the father is saying this is necessary. He gives consent. 
And then there's a ceremony. So after he fashions the woman, he brings her to Adam. Look at verse 22. The rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So he, there's a ceremony where he brings Eve to Adam. In other words, the bride is given away to the groom in verse 22. And then the union becomes an independent family and is established as one flesh through consummation. So you've got ceremony and then there's consummation in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So, so the, the, the husband and the wife, they now form a separate independent family unit. Uh, they leave and they cleave and then the Bible says they live as one flesh. Uh, there is a physical consummation and the proof is in the fact that, 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 that the flesh doesn't really come apart, does it? Um, in, in, in terms of Cheryl and my union, there were three examples of that where two became one flesh, and their names are Sophie, Sammy, and Seth. Two become one flesh. See, marriage marks the break between a man and a woman and their parents. The new couple, I mean, if they're gonna be Bible believers, they're gonna love and respect their parents because they want it to be well with them and, and uh, they want to live long in the land, that kind of thing, right? God wants us to honor father and mother, but they're no longer under father and mother's authority. And you show me a family dynamic where mom or dad is trying to parent married children and I will show you dysfunction. Now. We should exist as counselors, we should exist to make sure as coaches that we're, we're, we're making sure that, that we're giving information as it's needed, but we're no longer giving instruction as commands. Does that make sense? They are responsible together before God. It is, it is, it is dysfunctional to have, to have parents trying to parent married children. Uh, It'll make dysfunction in the marriage and it'll engender bitterness in the family. Don't attempt to exercise authority over your married children. They say, tell me what to do. As close as I ever would get would be, if it were me, here's what I would do. But God gave you this brain and he gave you you logic and reason and math and all these things. Uh, You need to make a decision before the Lord, right? If you've got a Bible, and you've got a working brain, you can follow the Lord. It's not rocket science. Be there, be a support, babysit, you know, do all of those things that grandparents are supposed to do, but don't parent your children when they're married. Does that make sense? You see this pattern all throughout scripture. In Genesis 29, Jacob leaves his father and mother to get a bride. He ended up with two, but that's how it worked. He left father and mother to get a bride. So get this down in your notes. Marriage is by God's design, okay? Love and marriage, okay. (laughs) God designed it, and as such, man has no right to change it. This was such a big deal to God that God performs, God himself performs the first marriage ceremony when he brings Eve to Adam and makes them man and wife. So again, we've already made this point in this message. We wanna trust the Lord that our marriages are brought together by the hand of God, amen? Um, Now, and I've I've mentioned this before, but I just wanna say it again, okay? For a lot of people, it's easy, especially in church world, for people to get stupid in this area of courtship, dating, um, whatever it is you wanna call it. Um, You know, Joey's Joey's gonna invite me out to coffee. We're getting married. No, he's just trying to see whether or not you're crazy and he wants to pursue a relationship with you, okay? He asked me out for coffee, I'm picking out a dress. Okay, psycho. Okay, so now, so 20 years ago, oh my goodness, 25 years ago, roughly 25 years ago, a guy by the name of Joshua Harris wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye and it blew up church world. 
And everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna court. We're gonna do it right. We're gonna do it biblically. And so you had all these people that, that were making commitments. They were gonna be virgins when they got married, which is a good thing, okay? You, you, so, candidly, uh, my wife and I were the only people we've ever been with in terms of consummation. Is everybody with me? So, okay. Um, we were both virgins on our wedding night. She is the only woman I've ever consummated anything with, right? I'm the only dude that she's ever consummated anything with. In other words, we only, we only know each other. And you know what's wonderful about that? Is there's nothing to compare now to. Does that, does that make sense? Like, it's just us. It's always been home team. So there's a, there's a lot of tactical practice. Oh yeah, by the way, never one time worried about some disease or fungus or problem, okay? Because I married my virgin. Praise the Lord, you know, like I've never had to worry about that. They, 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 back then you had to take a blood test to make sure you weren't some creeper giving some loathsome disease to your bride or to your husband and, and uh, okay, I wasn't worried about what the test results were gonna be. So there's a, there's a, you, you wanna keep yourself for your mate. That's the biblical plan, that's God's intention. You wanna do that, you will be blessed because of that. Uh, the trust factor in a marriage relationship where people wait for each other, um, that goes up next level. You say, well, it's too late, I've already messed up, you know, I, okay, start now, okay? Let's agree with God over our sin, let's start moving forward in faith. You are a child of God, live like it, that means something. We don't walk according, that, such were some of you. We were by nature the children of wrath, that's not us anymore, amen? So regardless your past, now you wanna move forward in faith. You said, well, I messed up and, and, and I had intercourse in ninth grade or, 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 or my junior year or whatever. Uh, so, well, it's all messed up, may as well just fornicate all I can. No, don't mock God with your life. God's worth being right with. And you'll be blessed. You wanna live your life according to design specifications. Okay, so. People are, you know, given dad, you know, dad's given them, what are the, the promise ring or whatever? Dad gives them a ring, basically, uh, which is basically the daughter saying, I'm gonna wait till I get married. I don't know, I'm, it all sounded weird to me. I'm not giving my daughter some substitute wedding ring while she's waiting on a husband. It just, the whole thing weirded me out. Personally, if you were in that, that's fine. I'm sure you and your dad had the right dynamic. It just was weird to me, so we didn't do that in the Miles house, but, but you know, people are saying, well, I'm not gonna date, I'm gonna court, and, and so we're gonna do everything God's way. And so you had all these people getting married, and in their mind, because they didn't do traditional dating, they did it God's way, well now they're gonna live happily ever after. And they're divorcing at higher rates, higher and higher rates all the time. Can I tell you why? Um, my good decisions today do not carry my right relationship tomorrow, okay? That's good for today, but tomorrow I have to make right decisions as well. If I wanna continue being blessed, I have to continue seeking after God. I need to seek God first in his righteousness. I need to seek God first in his kingdom. I need to abide in the vine. This is a da daily I decide what kind of man or woman I'm gonna be. So you had all these people that got married uh, through some courtship, dating substitute arrangement and they thought as a result they were just now gonna live happily ever after and they weren't actually equipped to put on Christ. They weren't equipped, to, they weren't discipled and they didn't know how to treat each other. They took each other for, for granted and took advantage of one another and, and they're divorcing in groves and the guy who is the brainchild behind all of it renounced his Christianity, divorced his wife and he's off out in the world. Every day you make a commitment to lay down your life for your spouse. Read Ephesians chapter five. If you want your marriage to work out, to work out properly, we gotta put on Christ in the church. <laughs> we gotta be, we, we, we have to be the people that the Bible describes. We gotta be the people that God designed us to be. So I married Cheryl almost 30 years ago now. I married Cheryl and I made a commitment to her to love and to cherish her. 
uh, to forsake all others, to be to her a true and faithful husband as long as we both live. I did that 30 years ago, but I've had to do that every day of my life since. Every day of my life, I have to give it in the laying down of my life in order to love my bride. Every day of her life, she has to make the decision to die to self and love me as her husband. Because we make good decisions 30 years ago doesn't translate into, and now they live happily ever after. Uh, that's, th- th- that fairy tale has never happened. They got married and, and, and they lived happily. Nobody just lives happily ever after. Every day you decide you're gonna be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. Every day you put in the work. Every day you show up in your role. Men and women should seek God's leading in finding a mate, though. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. We should seek God's leading, and again, uh, Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth the favor of the Lord. So now look at verse 25. Adam is now enjoying the purity and the blessing of marriage. Or, uh, yeah, they, both, they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Okay, so we don't roll like that. I mean, you do behind closed doors, but you know, when we go through the park, we're not, it's not a nudist colony, we don't, we don't roll like that. So the, the reason that they're naked and not ashamed is they're are created in the, in the likeness and the image of God, right? That's who they are, that's what they have. Check out Psalm 104. They even, they, well they just, they roll like him. Okay, look at how God dresses. Psalms 104, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, verse two, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. So here they are, they're walking in the light of Christ. They're they're walking in the light of the word. You remember John chapter one? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He creates everything. Verse four says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. There it is. The life was the light of men. So they're clothed in the holy righteousness of God himself. So they're naked, they're not ashamed. Now today, man has perverted sex, which was intended by God to be pure. Marriage 13.4 says that the marriage bed in all it's undefiled, okay? But the problem is sin wrecks everything. Sin brings an uncovering. They're no longer in God's light, they're in darkness. The light is shining in darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. So the sin brings an uncovering, and with that, shame to nakedness. Why, because God's light is refused. You say, well, if I start walking in God's light, I can, I can be a nudist. No, no, be ashamed, especially the way you work out. Okay, so. I'm joking, that's bad, that's bad. I'm gonna get in trouble. Uh, let's have the ushers come forward and we'll, no. We gotta make a couple more points. We don't wanna refuse God's light. We want sex to be exactly what God intended. And with that, there will be zero regrets. Think about how the world calls us to express ourselves sexually and it always ends up in regret, sometimes death. Uh, they're, they're, it's just good to be married. Uh, No regrets, no shame, praise the Lord. Now, I gotta make one last point before we close on this. A sexual relationship in itself does not make a marriage, okay? Uh, This false teaching makes the rounds from time to time where basically the, the, the way the false doctrine will go is marriage is flesh joining flesh. Marriage in God's eyes is when flesh joins flesh. Well, outside of a commitment, and a ceremony, that consummation is called fornication, okay? First Corinthians chapter six, verse 18 tells us to flee it. So when two people hook up, that doesn't make them married in God's eyes, it makes them fornicators. And if fornication, fornication is just the F word of the Bible, okay? Fornication, if that creates marriage, well then fornicators would never need marry, their sin would bind them as husband and wife. But that's not the case. Even Mosaic law commanded, required that if a man fornicated with an unmarried girl, then he was obliged to marry her unless her father refused it. Dad could say, no, you punk, no, you can't have my daughter. 
The law, didn't, the law never said, well, they fornicated, so they're married in God's eyes. No, get this down. Marriage requires a covenant, okay? It requires ceremony. Malachi chapter two, verse 14. What say ye wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt, dealt treacherously. You're cheating on your wife. You're, treating, you're, you're not treating your wife properly. You're putting her away. Yet she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Marriage in the Bible requires a covenant between the man and the wife. It is a covenant before the Lord. So God shows that marriage is between one man and one woman. It's not between a man and a man or a man and a woman and a woman or between a woman and a woman and a dog. No, it's between one man and one woman. And by the way, people say, well, Jesus never, you know, he never, he never said anything about marriage. No, that's not true. Jesus says a lot about marriage. And Jesus clearly teaches that God's will for marriage is found in Genesis chapter two. Look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19. The Pharisees come to Jesus. They want to, they want to trip him up, tempting him, saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. So it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve, right? He made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What God therefore hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Brothers and sisters, you're either gonna believe the Bible or you're not. You're either gonna believe the Bible is the word of God or not. You're either gonna believe it or you're gonna go your own way, but you're gonna have to do the math on this. You can't have it both ways. The Bible is very clear on human sexuality, and there's no way to explain it away without resting the scriptures. So you just have to decide, do you believe, are you a Bible believer or not? Well, it'll make me unpopular in some social circles. I would rather God be pleased with me than some lost, person's pleasure over my resting of scripture. I'd rather my, my creator be satisfied with my code, my conduct, the speech, the communication that comes out of my mouth than to impress lost people who outside of repentance and faith in Christ are gonna bust hell wide open. We're worried, the church today is worried about what the lost world thinks. The church today is embarrassed over what the Bible says about human sexuality. Man, we ought, to be we ought to be embarrassed over how the church has handled herself before her creator and her redeemer. <laughs> Let God be true and every man, what? It's like, it's like grown people never advance beyond seventh grade. I'm gonna say the mean, stupid stuff so that the cool kids will like me. At some point, brothers and sisters, we gotta grow up and stick with the book. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Do the math. If you're not gonna be a Bible believer, what are, you gonna, what are you gonna believe? So you're gonna go away that's right in your own eyes? What's your assurance for eternity? Going away that's right in your own eyes. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end of that way is what? This is death, that's God's position on it. What are we gonna, I wanna know that I'm with God. With God. I wanna know that I'm with my creator. And whatever he says, that settles it. And if that means the world despises me, well then the world despises me. And the Lord himself said, ah, the world hates you. They hated me first. Bro, been there, done that. Welcome to the fellowship of my suffering. Our time in this world is so short. Life, the Bible describes it as a vapor. A vapor, you've seen a vapor in the air. It's there one moment, it's gone the next. Describes it like grass. It's there one moment, and then in the heat of the sun, it just withers away. Uh, two weeks ago, my lawn looked like, I could have gotten another $50,000 for my house just two weeks ago because my lawn just looked amazing. And now it looks sick and sad because the average temperature went up by 10 degrees. What in the world? You say, well, water your, water your lawn more. I am watering my lawn, I don't know what's going on. Okay, so <laughs> it's like grass that withers in the sun. We're eternal creatures, aren't we? 
a little suffering, a little time in this world where some, some people who are lost and rebelling against God saying that you're a monster, it doesn't make it true. It's a little bit of suffering, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of co-laboring with Christ. It's gonna work for you a far more and exceeding eternal way to glory. I'd rather side with God when it's unpopular. Now, does this mean God's calling you to be a jerk and anytime you see Steve and Steve hand in hand walking down lover's lane, you're gonna go despise them and treat them poorly? No, you should go lay down your life for those people. God called us to love and win. We're to love, God, what, 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 oh yeah, we're fishers of men. I use dynamite when I go to the lake. Ah, that's not fishing. That's why they make it illegal, okay? Fishermen use bait, don't they? Be winsome. Let's lovingly speak the truth. Let's speak the truth in love. Let's point people to God. Do the best you can with what you have. What are you gonna get? You're gonna get the best out of your life that you can get. But one day you'll stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you'll give an account. I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want the best that God has over my life. That can't be beat. So here's the call to all of God's children this morning. First, be a child of God. Walk with him. That's how Adam started, and he got Eve, man. Be a child of God. Walk with him and let him take care of what you need. Seek God first and his righteousness. Matthew 6 says, man, if God takes care of the field, right, the grass of the field, which is but for a moment, isn't he gonna take care of you So here it is, don't worry about what you need. Verse 32, for after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You wanna trust God with your life, just be his child, right? Trust God with your life, the details of your life, walking with God serving into his mission. And then you can't miss out on his plan, his best for your life. I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves before the Lord right now.